Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the previous program, I referred to the remaining Democrat presidential candidates, specifically Senator Elizabeth Warren and reference to Amy Klobuchar, just an aside. But I wanted to say a number of other things regarding Elizabeth Warren. Now, she has weighed her candidacy for the presidency on her sex, on her gender reminiscent of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's On the Basis of Sex. But in the past, she found it advantageous to use other (laughs) identifications. Currently, there is a presidential impeachment trial Proceeding in the U.S. Senate. And at the root, it is concerning corruption. And at the root of that, there is the matter of dishonesty. And I think that we should consider the honesty or the lack thereof in any and all of these presidential candidates. And Elizabeth Warren should be viewed, I think, in a light less than generous because of how she has represented herself in the past, namely claiming to be an American Indian. You know, going back, that that was the term that was used, American Indian. You may be more familiar with Native American or Native American Indian or whatever version you want to use. But when she proudly insisted on identifying herself time and again as being American Indian, in order to exploit the system, in order to game the system, in order to take advantage of claiming to be a minority, this for higher education, this for professorial pursuits, and so forth. She displayed her soul before, (laughs) unbeknownst to her, she intended for it to be private, but she displayed her soul and the dishonesty and lack of integrity in it. But so too her championing of this most monstrous evil. 
the worst form of murder because all of its victims, all of its intended victims, I should say, are completely innocent and are slaughtered within the sanctity of their mother's wombs. But, dear woman that she is, she insists that only with women at the helm, particularly her, only with women in charge will women be safe and secure, no, not from all manner of violence, but safe and secure to enjoy this reproductive right, this reproductive freedom, so-called, namely to destroy the preborn, unborn babies. What a woman. What an outstanding woman, really. But uh, before I go off on that tangent, let me just say this. I'm thinking back on a time decades and decades ago, way back when, back when Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton were fancifully created and crafted by conspirators who comprised the United States Supreme Court and who crafted this fiction this penumbra, which they could not find in the Constitution, they could not find in any constitutional writings supporting the constitutional creation. But they crafted this. Very simply, they started with the desired aim of legalizing induced abortion. They started there, and they worked their way back to craft an excuse for the legalization. And so they did. But tell me, this group of people that did this, were these women? Were they? Was the United States Supreme Court comprised predominantly of women? No. Was it comprised at least of several women (laughs) in addition to the men? No. How about a few women? No. How about any women? (laughs) How about any women? Oh, and what about Congress back then? Back in the day, back in the 70s, how many women were in the United States Senate? Hmm? How many women were in the House of Representatives? And furthermore, how active were any first ladies? How many women were in powerful posts on the presidential cabinets? And yet, Interestingly enough, what was it that took place back then? Hmm? This crafting, this conspiracy, this creation of this so-called constitutional right, 
which has become, was made into the only completely, utterly unassailable constitutional right. <laughs> the right to destroy any preborn baby in the United States of America, all the way up to full term, for any reason that could be lumped together as being in the interest of the health of the mother. This is what dear Senator Elizabeth Warren and her sisters-in-arms, and of course Hillary Rodham Clinton, but all of them, that is what they are seeking to safeguard and secure and promote. Dear Liz, who is in so thick with Planned Parenthood, the numero uno aborter of babies worldwide in the free world, in the Western world, But that's one of her axes that she has to grind. What great qualifications to lead this nation. But coming back to Liz and what an outstanding example of womanhood she is. It is, in my view, very rare to find a good and godly woman who seeks political office, let alone high political office. Why is that? It is because it is antithetical (laughs) to godliness for a woman. But my mother was a godly, virtuous, strong-minded, courageous woman. But these women that would lead this nation, they are something else. And so too the men that would lead this nation. Try to find a good, godly, courageous, honorable one among them. It isn't easy. They are so few and far between. But of course, we've gone beyond that now. Now we can have proudly sodomite males. Not only seeking the office, but seemingly, according to the writings of various illustrious journalists, being the most favored (laughs) candidates among many. Among many rank-and-file Democrats. That is an indictment of this nation. An absolute, flat-out indictment of this nation. But, New York Times, of course, hedged their bet, strangely, really curiously, in endorsing both Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, along with sister-in-arms, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. Very curious about that. 
I would say both Caucasian women are both white women, but of course Elizabeth is an American Indian. Yes. Native American Indian, Elizabeth Warren. Well, this focus on her sex, (laughs) you could say her exploitation of her sex, or at least I will say that. It's a shameless exploitation of her sex. But she, of course, managed to create a tiff with socialist, leftist Senator Bernie Sanders, so-called independent of Vermont, running for the Democrat nomination, interestingly enough. created this tiff with him so that she could (laughs) gain some attention for herself. But interestingly enough, weighing upon her sex, it is fascinatingly, curiously, Interestingly, similar to or reminiscent of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's On the Basis of Sex, Discrimination on the Basis of Sex, which was not a legal work per se, not not at its core. It was philosophical. It was philosophy. Extreme hardcore leftist philosophy. But then, dear old Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that great, great, great grandmotherly uh, presence there on the Supreme Court, dear little Ruth, she has been a hardcore activist for her life. Leftist, hardcore activist. Induced abortion activist. Legalized prostitution activist. Even for very young girls. Oh, yes. Oh, she didn't know that was in (laughs) uh, this work that she was only editing. No, she didn't know what was in it. You know... 1977 sex bias in the U.S. Code (laughs) and the 1974 version. She didn't know what was in there. (laughs) What an interesting defense on her part. But uh, dear woman that she is. Of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she immediately performed a so-called marriage service for two male sodomites, you know, the kind like Pete Buttigieg, but she did that immediately following the legalization by the United States Supreme Court, as did former presidential candidate Kamala Harris of California. Yes, oh my. And of course, Joe Biden, he has said that he wants to appoint Barack Hussein Obama to the Supreme Court. And he will do so after he is elected president if 
Obama will agree to accept that position. Oh, my. That would just be so gracious of Barack Hussein Obama, wouldn't it? Mm. Reminds me of dear Barack following, immediately following that ruling, that judgment being delivered from the profane United States Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. While he was on Air Force One, he called up the, call them what you will, I'll just say the, uh, the front so-called men for that case. And he said something to the effect of, we're proud of you guys. We're so proud of you guys. <laughs> We're so proud of your abomination. We're so proud of your allowing yourselves to be used as the photo op boys for the promotion of this agenda. We're just so proud of you. Or words to that effect. The wonderful Barack Hussein Obama. Yes, by all means, put him on the court. That's just tremendous of you, Joe. You're just, you know, an outstanding, outstanding American leader. Yes, like your former boss there. Well, once upon a time, what might seem like long ago now, There was the Hitler Youth, the Hitler Jugend. Hitler knew that if you reach the young people before long, you will have the world. You will control the world. So his focus was on the youth. Well, the dominant focus here in the United States of America and in the Western world, in the free world, call it what you will, former Christendom, has been on subverting, seducing, corrupting, perverting the youth. But that has not been at the exclusion of working to subvert, corrupt, pervert, seduce those that are beyond their youth. Dear Adolf, he said, quote, let me control the textbooks and I will control the state, end quote. So very much like dear old Dewey, like the NEA, like the AFT, you know, the teachers' unions, the extremely powerful, extremely rich, extremely hardcore leftist teachers' unions. Once upon a time, when union was mentioned, what was thought of, typically, just the immediate knee-jerk, would be AFL-CIO, the Teamsters, so on and so forth. But while they have had their day in the sun and they have leveraged significant political power, nonetheless, 
the most powerful, richest, most powerful unions have been the NEA and the AFT, the teachers' unions. But Adolf Hitler again said, quote, This new state will give its youth to no one, but will itself take youth and give to youth its own education and its own upbringing, end quote. And he followed that, saying this, Your child belongs to us already. What are you? End quote. What are you, parents? We control your children. We control the youth. We educate them. We inculcate them. We indoctrinate them. We control them. And indeed he did. In January 1933, he took over Germany. Then he took over the young people. How did he do that? He closed down the Christian schools and required all youth to go to public schools. Well, over in the UK, United Kingdom, there has been a very targeted attack of Christian schools, shutting them down. Shutting them down for refusing to promote sodomy. That's right. For refusing to actively promote sodomy to the Christian children, they have shut down the Christian schools, used that as the basis to do so. Here in the United States of America, for decades and decades and decades and decades, there has been a cold war waged against Christian homeschooling. Not against homeschooling per se, but against Christian homeschooling. Well, by 1940, these young people that had been so indoctrinated by Hitler's regime, they were in his army. And those that were not old enough for his army, they would be brought into his army in the subsequent years. Here in the United States of America, home of the free, land of the brave, we have this so-called pride, sodomite pride. You know, it's not enough for this sexual perversion to be tolerated. It must be respected, honored, and so forth. As in the UK, as in Europe. There are demands made at any point in time And when those are met, then the advance continues. Because with regard to this sodomite agenda and the induced abortion agenda, 
the zero population growth agenda and all of these things. They are all coordinated. They are all linked. And they are all focused on the same thing. And that is on corroding and ruining and destroying the foundation of the United States of America. But not only the foundation of this nation, but everything built on that foundation. Tearing it down, tearing it asunder, so that the United States of America is rendered unrecognizable and strictly a tool for evil. So how fitting it is that we have this openly, proudly sodomite candidate and his so-called husband. (laughs) It's just, it is beyond, beyond obscene. But the Democrat Party has completely on board with that. It is in the DNA of the Democrat Party leadership of what they are promoting. All of these wonderful things. Before I continue, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. Well, do you remember the last Olympics? There was significant promotion of the sodomite agenda in that, in the advertisements. Advertisements by major American corporations. American corporations that typical Americans would view as being all American companies. And yet, they were promoting this. Not just some extreme leftist foundations, (laughs) but these major corporations, but So very many of these extreme leftist foundations are corporate foundations. Perhaps you saw something with regard to a fellow who is held up as an idol, an American idol. Well, idolatry (laughs) is condemned by God, but... But there is so much of it here in this nation. So much idolatry. So much idolatry of people. Idolizing people and so forth. But anyway, this one fellow who is a famous National Football League quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who went to college at University California, Berkeley, the Golden Bears, Cal Berkeley, which is known for being extreme (laughs) left-wing. Yes, there are the exceptions there at Cal Berkeley. Strangely enough, outstanding exceptions. Like 
emeritus law professor Paul Johnson. But if he, I don't know his current status, but outstanding, outstanding man and writer and what have you. But Cal Berkeley, going back to the 60s, has been synonymous with aggressive, violent socialist movement, SDS, Students for a Democrat Society, Tom Hayden and such, all the way up to the present, extreme leftist philosophy that pervades that place. And this is where Aaron Rodgers went to school. Dear Aaron. Well, anyway, he was, he was raised in a Christian environment. And so you would think, well, you know, he would be Christian. But no, he doesn't even pretend to be, claim to be. But instead, he lashes out at it. Lashes out at God, at Christ, at Christianity. But all in a very intellectual way, you know, <laughs> on his Woman Friends podcast. But it is so in keeping with these, call them what you will, competitors to Christianity all of the vain philosophers and vain philosophies, socialism, whether it is of the communist branch or the fascist branch, all of these things that at the core, at the root, at the foundation are above all else at war with God and his Christ, at war with the word of God, at war with Christians, and they include Jews. (laughs) And they conceal and cloud and cover their ideology within their ideology the fact that they are all first and foremost focused on destroying, annihilating Christianity and Christians and Jews. Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to get into that on this program. That's for my other programs which you can find in links on my website, after all is said and done dot media. But there is this this shell game, if you will, or this illusionist work to conceal the true Motivation. This is true with various political contenders in the major parties in this nation. 
especially notably (laughs) in the Democrat Party. But it is true within all of the false religions, otherwise known as the world's great religions. It is true within the cults. It is true within all of the philosophies of man, of corrupt, sinful man. All which, undoubtedly, the exceedingly enlightened Aaron Rodgers finds to be more acceptable, tenable, worthy of his consideration than Christianity, which is fine with me. Fine with me. Oh, my, how can I say such a thing? Well, just this, this lifetime. This life that we know, that we experience, that we live, is all about determining what happens in the next lifetime and who participates. That's what, to put it in a very simple, very generic way, that's what this lifetime is about. So it's totally okay with me. If someone who has had the advantages and the upbringing that Aaron Rodgers had, if he rejects Christianity, that's totally okay with me. And it was true of a great many of the world's greatest destroyers. And when I say greatest, I'm not speaking of greatness. I'm speaking of the numbers of people that they were responsible for destroying whether it's Karl Marx or take your pick, one after another after another after another can be found to have had Christian or Catholic education and upbringing while they were youths. (laughs) Instead of being brought up in the Hitler youth, they were trained up in the way they should go, and yet they rebelled against God. And they embraced philosophies of man or created their own, which they actually copied. They took from this and from that, and they cobbled them together. And then they went about destroying vast multitudes. And you can find this with the likes of Pol Pot in Cambodia. But... Perhaps the advertisements that I see on the television that I view are not the same as you see. Perhaps you don't watch any television. And kudos to you if you do not. I know for a great many years, for decades, I did not. But I also missed out on some things because of that. Even though I was aware of many things that were going on because of where I was positioned and so forth. Still, there were other things that I was not privy to, and even though they were comparatively worldly things, they would have benefited me, curiously enough. But I happen to see commercial advertisements that are provided online, on the Internet, as far as through major portals, and then those that are 
sold to streaming services, to this streaming service or that streaming service, and <laughs> which I'm subjected to if I want to watch anything. But the advertisements that I see, and I am in one part of the United States of America that, by all rights, being up in northern New England at this time, again, I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area, and I've lived in many parts of the United States of America, but currently in northern New England, by all rights, the spotload of advertisements that I should be seeing should be less represented by other races than if I were, say, in Alabama, North Carolina, California, Chicago, and so on and so forth. Just, you know, thinking in terms of the the ads targeting the area that you're in. But that being said, I do see national advertisements, and but I can't help but wonder if the advertisements that I'm seeing are in fact less overwhelmingly represented by things such as the promotion of mixed races, mixed race couples, mixed-race families. I can't help but wonder whether the ads that I'm seeing are less full, (laughs) the ad placements, the advertisements that I'm seeing, if they are less heavily represented by such things than they would be in other parts of the country. I don't know. But certainly... At the least, they should be representative of what else, what's out there nationwide. And what I see is <laughs> representation of more mixed-race couples than black couples. I, don't, I really loathe the use of these terms black, white, and so forth. And in South Africa, they they used the term brown. Well, here, brown, I would think this would be more like we're talking concerning Central American, Mexican, Central American, Latin American, so forth. But it's it's incredibly inexact, right? Incredibly inexact. But I don't like the hyphenated American terms either. So where does that leave you as far as what are the acceptable descriptions to use, racial descriptions to use? So for lack of a better way to express it, I'll refer to black and white. But one of the extreme problems with this is that people that are incredibly light-complected and who have a tiny percentage of African lineage 
are still referred to as African-American or black or whatever. And it is incredibly dishonest, intellectually dishonest. But I digress. I see more black-white couples in these advertisements than I see black couples. How is that possible? (laughs) I see more of these black-white couples, interracial couples, and then they have interracial families and so on that they show, sometimes with black children and, and no black parent, and different things that are constantly bombarding the viewers. The majority of the black-white couples, rightly so, show black men with white women. The percentage that they show of black men, white women, vis-a-vis black women, white men, is in fact out of kilter too. That is, they, even though they show many more of the black men, white women couples than they show black women, white men couples, they still show a higher percentage, from my experience, a higher percentage of black women, white men than you actually find out there compared to the percentage of black men, white women. But the idea that these mixed-race couples and expressly with the greatest distinction, you know, the greatest difference, they will have dark-colored black men and fair white women, so forth. The numbers that they show, again, this it's at least one in three, at least one in three, what I'm seeing in the advertisements. That is so completely, drastically, stupendously out of line with reality that it's beyond imagination. But it goes directly hand in hand with that old battle cry of the sodomite movement, one in ten. And they hammered away at that year after year, decade after decade, one in ten, claiming that one in ten people in the United States of America was sodomite. And lo and behold, after they'd been pounding away at this for 30 years or more, the percentage in San Francisco was still a tiny fraction of that, a tiny, tiny fraction of that, and San Francisco was synonymous with the sodomite movement. With the place that was the most heavily sodomite of any place in the nation. Now, other major metropolitan areas have laid claim <laughs> to that as well. Atlanta, which Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia, claims to have, or at least according to figures I've seen, has the highest percentage of male sodomite couples, which is a fiction anyway. Sure, there's the Pete Buttigieg, but for the most part, it's a fiction because they normally are not coupled. They normally are involved with many others. But then Seattle, 
Seattle, last I saw, was supposed to have the highest percentage of lesbian so-called couples. And then, of course, we have places like that are completely, utterly, totally unrepresentative of the United States of America that are grossly unrepresentative, such as Palm Springs, California, which at one time was claiming to have one-third sodomite and now proudly claims one-half sodomite. What a wonderful place to live. But why are these advertisements promoting this? Why are the major advertisers, why are major American corporations promoting, so heavily promoting mixed-race couples, specifically black-white couples, specifically black men-white women? If they're going to promote mixed-race couples, I have no problem with it being (laughs) black male, white female, because that is the norm among black-white mixed-race couples. And why is that? Well, the white women typically that I've encountered, the young, wide-eyed white women that think this is wise and wonderful, they pride themselves on how open-minded they are, on how open-minded, non-judgmental, unbiased they are. Whereas the majority, overwhelming majority of the black men that seek out these white women have a very different view, akin to Eldridge Cleaver of the Black Panthers, who spit upon black women. (laughs) Yeah, great guy. But anyway, I'm just wondering, you know, what is the thinking in these corporations? Are they being completely used, if you will, by the advertisers, by the advertising companies? Are they allowing the young guns, the young punks of the advertising companies to tell them what to do, what to show, and so on and so forth. I think to some extent that is true, and that the advertising companies are big, big primary movers of this, and that there are people behind the scenes that are seeing to that. But the corporations are directly involved and directly responsible for what is put out there representing their companies. Why is it that they think this is wise and wonderful and smart and clever to so heavily promote mixed-race couples as being the norm? And again, more mixed-race couples, more black-white couples than black couples. That's what I'm seeing, all right? Extraordinary. And yet... More black couples and black families in advertising than reflect the population. But why do you imagine they're promoting this? One possibility is they might think they're getting more bang for the buck. 
that by doing this, by having these mixed-race couples, they are then appealing to multiple demographics simultaneously, right? Okay? That way they're promoting to the black population, to the white population, and to the comparatively very small mixed-race population, even though they are showing it as being represented by a huge number relative to the total number of couples that are shown. That's one possibility, to get more bang for their buck, to make their advertising dollars go further, to appeal to more than one race, more than one demographic, simultaneously. That's a possibility. I think more likely than not, it is merely sold to the corporations that way by the advertisers. But but stop and think for a moment. Do you imagine that most black women are just fine with black men preferring white women to them? Do you really imagine that? That they're just fine with that. They think that's just great. Do you imagine that most white men are fine with white women preferring black men to them? Do you imagine that? I rather tend to believe that they're not fine with this, right? That instead, what these brilliant corporations, led by their brilliant advertisers, are succeeding in doing is alienating vast swaths of America simultaneously by doing this. But that's, <laughs> that's just a feeling that I have. But stop and think about it. Among the wiser members of society, I know that is a percentage that is in serious decline, but among the wiser members of society, among those that have some semblance of good old-fashioned common sense, which is exceedingly uncommon now. Do you imagine that the overwhelming majority or the majority or a great many women of that ilk are fine with sodomy, with men preferring men to women? Do you really think so? That at the root, at the core, in their heart, not just their mind, but their heart, that they are totally fine with that? Now, after decades of indoctrination, a great many women undoubtedly are fine with that. But they are not within the portion of population I'm talking about, the wiser ones, the ones with some semblance of good old-fashioned common sense. Do you really imagine that women are fine with that? That they think that is great, that is good. We're proud of you guys, says Barack Hussein Obama. We're so proud of you guys. Well, do you think that the overwhelming majority of these women are proud of those guys for lusting after other guys and committing their depraved acts with them. Do you really think so? What does that have to do with this? Well, similar thing. 
So here we're going to take a big slice of the pie of black men and assign them to white women and expect the black women to be fine with that. Totally cool with me, brother. Absolutely. Uh, They can have them, you know. Right. And meanwhile, yeah, they can go be sodomites and so forth. What has been a defining characteristic in the inner cities for decades and decades? None other than single mother households. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.